Hey, I'm Pastor Chris, and the teaching or conversation that you're about to hear is from the student ministry at Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. If you have any questions or you'd like to get into contact with us, please visit us on our website at cedarcrest.church forward slash students. Now I pray that God would use this resource to richly bless you in your walk with him. I want to start by asking you all a question. If you think about maybe at school or a job, if you work, you may have had some conversations about things of God, maybe, maybe about heaven. With the religions in this world and people in this world, how do people usually think you get to heaven? What are some things you might have heard? How, how do you get to heaven? Someone raise their hand? Yeah? Good works. Okay. Yeah, by being a good person, right? Everyone's going. Yeah, some people say everyone's going. Universalism. We're all, in the end, going to go to heaven. Right? So these are some things we might have heard. Or what we'll also look at tonight, maybe if you grow up in a certain family, because you're a part of that family and they are this certain religion or whatever, you are going to heaven. What we're going to see is this truth, and it's not just in Matthew 5, 3, it's, it's all over Scripture, flies right in the face of all those claims. Jesus is going to declare something that the world will think is crazy. And then if you've ever read the Beatitudes before, everything that Jesus says this person is blessed for, a true follower of Jesus is blessed for, the world will consider you cursed, uh, crazy. This, this is ridiculous. But what I want to point out here before you look at this verse is that Jesus does not give us a list of commands. He's not commanding anything. In fact, there's not a one single command in these Beatitudes. Jesus is simply stating what is true of a person who is a true follower of him. And tonight we're going to be specifically looking at the foundation for not only the rest of the Beatitudes, but I believe the whole Sermon on the Mount, if you've ever read it before, from chapter 5 to chapter 7. But something I want you to understand is you and I all have to come face to face with the reality of what Jesus teaches here. We can try to ignore these truths. We can be disinterested, not want to hear them, may disagree with them. But the reality is how you and I respond to the Beatitudes says a lot about who we truly are and where we stand before God. And so look, look at verse 3. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed means you are under the favor of God. You are the object of his saving grace. The opposite of being under God's curse. It's not necessarily, some people have said this, this means happy, and this, the Greek word does translate to that, but happiness, when we think about it in the world, is subjective. This isn't necessarily how one feels, but how God views this person. And so what kind of person does Jesus say is blessed? Well, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does this mean? Two things Jesus does not mean is he's not saying blessed are the physical poor. If you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of possessions, you're blessed. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's explicitly said where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And nowhere in scripture do we see that a materially poor person is some sort of spiritual advantage. Jesus says the rich man is hard to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Because he idolizes his possessions, but a poor person can idolize possessions just as much because they don't have them. 
Jesus is not talking about poor, physically poor people. They are equally lost. Secondly, Jesus is not talking about being poor-spirited. You kind of look down. You're, you're not enthusiastic. If you look at Scripture and followers of Jesus, they're far from that. You think of David, a man after God's own heart. You, you think of believers who chase after Jesus. They, they preach the gospel. If you look at Acts, you see the apostles were boldly preaching the gospel. They were not poor-spirited. What Jesus is getting at is the opposite of being rich in pride. Thinking of yourself to deserve God's favor. That you are a good person, as we heard before. Uh, My good works get me to heaven. You're self-centered, self-righteous, thinking you deserve God's grace. And so firstly, what I want you to see is to be poor in spirit, is to recognize our empty spiritual bank account and to see our desperate need for Jesus. It's to understand and recognize that we are sinful in the sight of God, that we deserve His just punishment for our sin, and that there is not a single thing we have done or could ever do to please Him or earn His grace. It's to say with the hymn, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to Thy cross I cling. And friends, this flies in the face of basically every religion as we have just heard before. If we consider other religions, we find that they are about how we, how we, with our own performance, can build our own status before God and earn our way to heaven. Or, as I alluded to before, we think that if we are a part of a certain family, we are okay. If you think of the Jews in Jesus' day and even today, and there were definitely some present when Jesus was teaching this, John the Baptist says, don't even presume to say you have Abraham as your father, the one who God made the covenant with in the Old Testament, meaning the Jews were probably expecting, well, we're physical descendants of Abraham. We're ethnic Jews. They probably expected Jesus in Matthew 5, 3 to say, blessed are you if you're a child of Abraham. Blessed are you if you have Abraham's blood flowing through your veins. But friends, it means nothing for the Jews to have Abraham's blood flowing through their veins if they don't have the faith Abraham had in God. And so I want to I apply this to you. I grew up in a Christian home. Many of you probably are growing up in a Christian home. Just because our parents or our siblings are Christians, that doesn't make us one. John in his gospel in chapter 1 says, Those who are born of God are not born of blood, physical descent, works of the flesh, or or the will of the flesh, but of God. It is those who come to this point where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize that they are not good in the sight of God and that they need Jesus Christ alone to save them. Those who come to him. But what I want you to notice is where this all begins is how you view and see yourself. Ultimately, how you view and see God. To be poor in spirit is to come to the realization of who you truly are. It's the very point where true, deep repentance starts. And repentance is a change of mind about you. It's a turn of direction, meaning you turn away from your sin, which you've recognized you are a sinner, and you turn away from it and you turn to Jesus Christ to save you. It's to understand that in the sight of God, we are Far from good. We are corrupted head to toe by sin and we rightfully deserve the just just punishment for our sin. The one who is poor in spirit recognizes they are spiritually bankrupt. But friends, this is the one 
who, when they have recognized this, come to Jesus. And I want to I ask you a question. Have you ever thought, why did Jesus come to die? Why did the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, have to come in the flesh to live a perfect sinless life and take the wrath of God upon himself? Is it because we're good? No. It's far from the truth to think that. Jesus came to take the wrath of God upon himself because we are in desperate need of saving. Jesus came to save his people from their sin. The death of Jesus should show us how sinful we are and how God thinks of our sin. And so it's only when we come to this realization that we will ever see our desperate need for Jesus and his mercy. And I want to share an example with you. In scripture, Jesus shares a parable in Luke 18 of a Pharisee who is a very religious person. This is in your day, someone who goes to church every day, knows all the answers in Bible study, is in a Christian home. Pharisees were leaders of the Jews. Then you have a tax collector. People did not like tax collectors because they would steal money. They would take way more taxes than they were supposed to. But you have a Pharisee and a tax collector in a temple to pray. And the Pharisee prays, God, I thank you I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, beats his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man walked away justified in the sight of God. I want to ask you a question. Is the Pharisee trusting in himself or God? Who's the Pharisee trusting in? Himself. He says, thank you, I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But then you notice the tax collector. He doesn't talk about what he's done. He recognizes who he is in the sight of God. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It is that man who walks away justified. And so secondly, to be poor in spirit is the opposite of what we are naturally and the world tells us to be. By nature, we are sinners who deserve God's wrath and can do absolutely nothing to earn our salvation. Sinners who are far from good and are in desperate need of mercy. So naturally, if you think about it, we are poor in spirit. We're sinful. Our spiritual bank account is completely wiped empty. But naturally, friends, we don't recognize that about ourselves. We are not naturally poor in spirit. Think about when you go to the doctor. None of you necessarily go to the doctor when you're sick. You go to the doctor when you recognize you're sick. There's a difference. You can be sick and think you're well and never go to the doctor. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, those who are well have no need of a physician But those who are sick, it's not that we are well, but as long as you think you are well, you will not go to the doctor. So as long as you think you are well and good spiritually, you'll never come to Jesus. You'll try all your ways of earning to try to earn God's grace. You will not come as long as you think you are well. And friends, out of the 7.8 billion people in this world, very few people come to the realization of this about themselves. Because it takes the sovereignty of God and opening our eyes to see it. People are not worried about the state of their souls because they are blinded to it. They're not interested because they think they're good. They think they're fine. Just think about going on the streets. 
Think about people around you. If you've ever gone and maybe handed a gospel tract to somebody, what's the answer you always get? No thanks, I'm okay. No thanks, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm going to die one day, but probably not today. No thank you, I, I, I don't need that. I'm good. And naturally, we are blinded to the reality that we are not good, that we are not okay, and that we are, as Paul says, dead in our sins. But that's not what the world says. The world says, follow your heart. Trust in yourself. Believe in yourself. You do you. Look inside. Increase your self-esteem. Friends, no, as one man has said, the greatest problem is within ourselves. And the only solution to that problem is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so you see, the main problem with our world is that we compare ourselves to those around us. We watch the news and we say, well, thank goodness I'm not like those people. And we sound just like the Pharisee in the parable. God, I thank you I'm not like other men, like this tax collector. As long as we look horizontal in comparison, we're always going to find someone we think we're better than. And it's when we come into this kind of thinking where Jesus comes in verse 3 and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize that they are sinful in the sight of God and are in desperate need for Jesus Christ alone to save them. For theirs is the kingdom. But as I've already pointed out, we are naturally not like this. We don't recognize this. And this is why we need God to open our eyes through his word to see clearly who we are in his sight. And friends, if you have ever come to this realization of seeing who you are as a sinner in need of a savior, which is only Jesus, be reminded that God opened your eyes to see that. As God said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. My father did the same with that. God must reveal this to you in his word as he once did to me. So thankful for his grace. So thirdly, to be poor in spirit is a result of seeing God for who he truly is in his word. I've already pointed out people compare themselves to those around them. They can always find someone that they believe they're better than. And they use that to justify their belief that they are good, that they don't deserve punishment. And this is why we don't come to Jesus. We are deceived into thinking we are good and well on our own. And that's why when you hand a gospel tract to somebody on the street, they say, no thanks, I'm good. I'm okay, I don't don't need that. And it's pride. This is the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. Poor in spirit, this is pride. And this pride is so blinding that we don't see ourselves for who we are. But think, think of the law of God. What purpose does the law of God serve? What is it meant to do? Paul tells us in Romans 3.20, he says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Friends, when we look at the law of God, if you look at the law in Scripture, just think of the Ten Commandments. Think of the requirements of God. Look at Jesus in his perfection. It's meant to show us that we cannot keep it. In our own strength, we cannot keep God's law in perfection. We fall so short. And the law is meant to point you to the Savior, Jesus, who has fulfilled the law and can save you from your sin if you turn to him. But that's not how we naturally view the law. 
We approach it as if we're good and we believe that if we keep it, we can earn our salvation. How do I get to heaven? Well, just, just keep the Ten Commandments and, and you'll be okay. Well, if you think about the people of Israel, when, when God gave the law on Mount Sinai, the people of Israel were down below breaking the very first commandment before they even received the law. They worshiped a, a piece of gold, calling it Yahweh, God. Friends, they broke the law before they even heard it. But at the same time as God commanded you shall and you shall not, he also commanded Aaron the high priest to do the sacrifices so that people could still come in his presence through the substitute sacrifice, which ultimately points to Jesus. The purpose of the law is to show us that we cannot keep it, that we are not good within ourselves and that we need Jesus. It's meant to bring us to the recognition of our sinfulness and therefore we become poor in spirit. As Jesus says, Think of men who are considered righteous in Scripture. Isaiah, when he came in the presence of God, he said, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Dwell in the midst of a people who are unclean. Think of Abraham. Who am I but dust and ashes? Paul in 1 Timothy, and Pastor Jason's going to get to this in the coming weeks. He said, I am the foremost of sinners. If God can save me, he can save you. Peter in Luke 5, 8, when Jesus was in his presence, fell down saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's when we come to this point, when we see our true selves in light of who God is and scripture, it's painful. It hurts when we see who we are in his sight. But friends, Jesus says, blessed are you for yours is the kingdom. He says, yours is the kingdom because those who are poor in spirit are those who come running to Jesus because they understand he's the only savior and Jesus' arms are wide open saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Friends, Jesus can rescue you from your sin. Come to him tonight for he is worthy. So fourthly, and these last two points are are quicker than the others, to be poor in spirit is the foundation for everything else. It's not by accident that our Lord put this beatitude first. I believe it is the ground which the rest of them flow. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn in verse four. Well, who's gonna mourn over their sin until they see their sin for what it is in God's sight to begin with? Or he says, blessed are the meek or gentle for they shall inherit the earth. Well, who will ever be truly gentle and humble with others until they've tasted of the grace of God and seen themselves for who they truly are? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Well, who's ever gonna hunger and thirst for righteousness as long as they think they have their own? Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. No one will ever be truly merciful towards others until they've tasted the mercy of God of God, and so on. You see how the rest of these flow out of this very point? It starts here, recognizing that we lack any spiritual good, that we are sinful in the sight of God's holiness, that we are nothing apart from Jesus and we desperately need him. But this is the glorious news of the gospel. Jesus said, I did not come to save those who think they are well. I came to save sinners, those who know they're sick and are in need of saving. The only way to be saved, the only way to have true eternal life is in coming to Jesus alone to save you. Turning away from your sin and any attempt to earn God's favor on your own to solely trust in Jesus alone. Only those who are poor in spirit see Jesus as the way, 
the truth and the life. And so lastly, fifth, what I want you to see is to be poor in spirit leaves us with nowhere to go but Christ alone. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples, those who are following him during his ministry, turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? The, the door is right there. Do, do you want to go away as well? And what does Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, you've already shown us that we are nothing apart from you. Lord, you've already shown us who we truly are in our, in our own strength and who we naturally are in our need for you. Lord Jesus, there's nowhere else to go. You alone have the words of eternal life. He's the only answer, friends. And so I want to close with this. Some of you are probably sitting here thinking after hearing this of what it is to be poor in spirit. And you may be thinking, if I'm honest... I've never in my life have come to this point where I can say I am poor in spirit. I've been proud. And friends, even as Christians, we can still slip into self-righteous thinking and we need to repent and, and, and take that to the Lord. But if you've never come to this point, the question may arise, how does one become poor in spirit? Well, first I want to point out, you cannot make yourself poor in spirit. That would totally defeat the purpose of what it actually means to be poor in spirit. You cannot make yourself poor in spirit. Some ways in which I pray God would use to open your eyes to see who you are in His sight and your need for Jesus. Ask God to show you who He is in His Word. Look in God's Word and let your thinking be controlled by the Word of God. Look at who God is. Look at His holiness. Look, look at His law. Look at Jesus and his encounters in the gospel with others and how he encounters with people perfectly. Look at people in scripture like Isaiah and Abraham, who when they came face to face with who God was, recognized their own sinfulness and need for saving. And I want to always point this to Jesus. Look at the cross of Jesus Christ and ask yourself, why did God send his son into the world to die on a cross? To take the wrath of God upon himself. What does this tell me about my sin? And who I am that God had to come in the flesh, to take on flesh, to live the life I could never live, perfectly keeping the law, and to die the death that I justly deserve in my place, taking the wrath of God upon himself. What does this tell me? This tells me I need Him. Friends, you need Jesus Christ. You need Him. So come to Him tonight if you never have. And friends, if you have already come to Him, praise the Lord for opening your eyes to see that and give Him all the praise. Let's pray.